Cougar Sports Saturday. It's complete. Another touchdown! Cougar Sports Saturday. Saturday. A presentation of KSL Sports. KSL Sports. Left wing for three. He got it again! BYU Sports Talk by Cougar fans for Cougar fans. Here are your hosts, Mitch Harper and Matt Biamonte. On Utah's legacy home of the Cougars. KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Good afternoon, Cougar Nation. Welcome on into Cougar Sports Saturday. Mitch Harper, Matt Biamonte, coming to you live from downtown Salt Lake Broadcast House. Another week of Cougar Sports Saturday, one week closer to Christmas, one week closer to, well, another week of BYU basketball on tap. BYU Hoops going to be taking on Georgia State tonight. Tip off at 7, pregame at 6 here on KSL. we got a loaded show for you. We're going to be talking football, transfer portal. We're going to be hitting on the lawsuits, the legal dealings of the NCAA. There's going to be an in-season acquisition in basketball like it's the NBA Exciting time. So we got to start things off, though, with the comings and goings with the football program. The leadoff. A look at the stories making headlines right now. It's time for the leadoff on Cougar Sports Saturday. College football, it's 24-7, 365 these days. It is kind of fun to see bowl games starting up on TV. A little sad, too, that BU is not playing in a bowl game just because it, it felt like that was becoming a tradition of – you know, like it was when we were growing up, Mitch, where every year you would enjoy BYU football this time of year. Not happening. But I love what you said earlier this month. They weren't good enough to be in a bowl. They didn't deserve to be in a bowl game. So, And aren't you enjoying, maybe I'm just weird, but aren't you enjoying a little bit more seeing the photos on social media of Kalani Satake in recruits' homes? Yes. I'm kind of enjoying that. Like, maybe producer Nate, I mean, I don't know if you agree, but... I'm kind of more on board with that too. Like, I, like Kalani's in the in-home visits, you know, because the the practice thing that's nice, but it's always a cold, dreary, messed up, muddy field. Even the practice field, I, there was so much issues with the LES field. The practice field of the student athlete building wasn't great either. So, hey, just get on that recruiting trail, man. You know, I love some <laughs> player acquisitions, some transactions. You know, I love that. Here are the two acquisitions, and they were both surprising, and they I think they were also tied together, and that is the running back room. Someone is back and someone is leaving. The man taking his talents elsewhere is Aiden Robbins, which is a little disappointing just from the perspective of we didn't get a full year of Aiden Robbins. It feels like we only got, what, three weeks, three games there at the end, and he started to see all the potential and all the hype. He declared he's heading off to the NFL draft. Interesting decision. He'll need a uh, a great pro day, and he'll need to generate some buzz in the offseason if he wants to get picked. And with him leaving, I think that opened the door for someone to return, and that is Miles Davis, who has withdrawn from the portal. He will return to BYU. Your thoughts, Mitch, on both of those moves? Aiden Robbins, I think it was kind of surprising that he left because I thought that he was coming on strong late in the season and that he could really been one of the faces of the program. And I would like to have think, thought that, you know, you could have had some NIL money go his way from BYU's collective, the Royal Blue, or or whatever collective it may be, to give him some money to keep him to stay. However, I kind of feel like when I've, I've taken some days to process the news and think about if you're Aiden Robbins, this move kind of makes sense because, for a couple reasons, the running back position continues to be devalued in the NFL – 
So on the high end, he's probably what? At best, at best, fifth maybe round. a fifth-round guy. Yeah. Right. So at best, a fifth-round guy. That's not going to change whether it's this year or next. And you've seen from Chris Brooks or even Tyson Williams, you can bounce around as an undrafted free agent. I would think Aiden Robbins probably going to be an undrafted free agent, if, if I had to guess. But the luxury that he has, Matt, he physically, 6'3", 235, he looks impressive physically. And he can tell scouts, okay, when I was not healthy, dealing with the rib injury, yeah, I didn't look good. But when I was fully healthy, look at the Oklahoma game. Look at the Texas Tech game where I get a third and 19. I pick it up and close the game for BYU to get their last win of the season. I was effective against Oklahoma State against one of the, you know, I had one of the worst offensive lines in college football, and I was still getting mine this when I was fully healthy. So I think there's there's some kind of, you know, with these players when it comes to these NFL decisions, it's almost better maybe to leave the the mystery, the totally. element of what could they be over the course of 12 games if healthy. And Tyson, or excuse me, uh, Aiden Robbins can sell that now to scouts and say, hey, when I'm healthy, I looked really good, especially against Oklahoma. Everything you said I think is true. The only thing that surprised me really, though, at the end of the day is players in the Aiden Robbins, Isaac Rex situations, which is if all goes well, you'll be a late draft, a rate, a late round draft pick, if not undrafted. Is it financially the best move? Like, to speak on Isaac Rex, he's a fan favorite. He's a household BYU name. you got to believe there would have been a good NIL opportunity there for him coming back to be at least as lucrative as an undrafted free agent. Then you got the security. You got extra education. So that's where the surprise came from is just an Aiden Robbins and Isaac Rex both of them declared to go to the NFL. It's just from a financial perspective in today's landscape, is that the best move? And and I think that's where the shock and awe came from. But to your point, both of those guys, when you really think about it logically, it makes all the sense in the world. Isaac Rex is old. He served a mission. He's been around a long time. Age hurts you in the NFL. So it, it makes sense. It's just the NIL component where you look at it and say, man, could one of these guys have come back and made six figures NIL, which is what they would have been looking at as an undrafted guy, best case scenario. So, but from the running back perspective, as we work Miles Davis back into the conversation, I think it's best for the running back room because now there's a clear path for LJ Martin to be the guy. Miles Davis, you can sell him, hey, you can maybe be a one two combination with LJ Martin. And I think it also opens the door for maybe a Falau Rapati to come back off injury and be in the mix as well. And I kind of like that, just looking into the future, because you'll have guys that are in the program, some continuity, some production there. It's not that Aiden Robbins had an issue with the playbook or anything, because he wasn't healthy, so we didn't see what he could have done in the beginning of the season. But it never hurts to have continuity. It never hurts to have experience. And now that running back room, you've got a lot of returning experience. And to your point about Isaac Rex, Isaac Rex signed with BYU, you know, two months before Jamal Williams was drafted in the NFL. Uh, you know, that was 2017. So that's the same with Tyler Batty. Tyler Batty, of course, coming back to BYU. You know, I, I think that, you know, with Isaac Rex, you kind of wondered if the way that it ended at Oklahoma State, if that was kind of like, I don't want to end it that way. You know, I want to come back and, and run it back because let's call it what it is. Aiden Robbins and Isaac Rex could be guys 
like us in society, working nine to fives next October if it doesn't work. Like you get one injury in a training camp, it's they're done. Gonna, it, they're going to get opportunities, but you get one injury, you're you might be done, and yep. that that's the risk with the NFL. But Isaac Rex has had an accomplished career. Even Aiden Robbins has had you know brief moments of success in his college football career, but there hasn't been sustained success. He's going to sell the potential, the upside, where he could be a guy that maybe gets better when he gets to the NFL, and that sometimes happens. It does, where the situations and the fits in college just maybe didn't work. And Aiden, you know, he was injured the whole year. The wrist injury in spring ball kept him out. He had surgery on that, and then he dealt with the rib injury that almost kind of went undiagnosed. It felt like going into the Arkansas game where Aaron Roderick's saying, L.J. Martin's going to be the starting running back because he's breaking tackles. No mention about an injury yep. of of Aiden Robbins. And then left a little bit of paranoia for Cougar fans thinking, what's going to happen Aiden? Is he moving on? Like, what's going on? And then come to find out, it's it's a rib injury. You know, I, I think that it, it's probably the smart move. And you look at that running back room moving forward, as you noted, with Miles Davis. I think that was an important addition for BYU to get him back. He'll be going into his fifth year in the program next year. He's been around for a while. And Kalani Satake really had some high praise for him after that Cincinnati game where he felt he could be a mainstay. And that never materialized as LJ and Aiden kind of took the the bull by the horns in the second half of the season. But you've got Miles Davis. You've got LJ Martin. We'll see what happens with Falau Rapati. He was never honored at senior day, so I would assume that he wants to come back, and he's not in the transfer portal as of today. Luve Hilu, a redshirt freshman out of Tooele High School. You get Jovesa Damuni from Ridgeline High School coming back from a mission. He got back from his mission last summer, so he's had a lot of time to kind of get his feet under him. And then you got Enoch Nawahine, too. You probably need another transfer portal running back, but that might be hard to identify because you've got a clear underclassman in L.J. Martin who... You kind of want to be the face. I'm of the fine program. with the group as is. I, I don't want another sure. transfer portal running back. You sure about Unle- that? Yes, unless it is a home run slam dunk upgrade. Because last year, yeah. that's what Aiden Robbins was, right? Right, and so we all felt good about. It. They brought in Deion Smith, and he had some moments. But when they brought him in, we, I, I kind of felt like, do we need him? Because because yeah. we're taking away from some guys here, and and I and that's how it materialized for him. I mean, honestly, like. Deion Smith had his moments, but really, you would probably, in retrospect, would have liked Miles Davis to get those kicks. Absolutely. And I could very well be a victim of recency bias with the men's basketball team, but it's a night and day difference down there from last year to this year. And the really, the only tweak and change, I'm sure there were more, but visibly, the biggest change was they stuck with their guys. They developed their guys, and those guys are paying off. And I want to see that. This team last year, they went heavy into the portal. They remade the roster like we've never seen at BYU, Mitch, and it did not pan out. It did not result in a bowl game. So maybe this is the year where you go in on the guys that you have. And let, and look, if it if, if it nests the same result, then go back in the portal and keep working at it. But I'm okay with this group, barring some just insane upgrade where you're like, wow, this is a difference maker. I'm happy with this group. And look, if someone goes down and you got to dip into a Helu or some young guy, I'm interested in that. Sure. I'd like to see what some of those guys have rather than snatching some senior running back, hoping that it pans out. But we learned a lot from last year that, hey, some of the transfer portal additions, especially defensively, they worked out. But there was a lot of guys that took playing time away from some younger guys, and it didn't result in a good season. Before we get to a break, some other players that we need to get some decisions on. We're still waiting on officially. 
Keanu Hill, wide receiver, he has already completed five years for the program. Does he move on? Does he stay? He's not in the portal as of now. We'll see on Keanu Hill. Kingsley Suamatai has already officially announced he's going on to the NFL draft. Also very intrigued by Braden Kime. What does he do? Offensive tackle. Does he move on? Does he come back? He comes back. Let me just, I'll, I'll tell him. Braden, you listening? Come on back, buddy. See, but I think he's also a case where he's kind of a freaky athlete. Leave the potential, the upside, the mystery. And he goes into a test setting and a combine or a, or not necessarily but a combine. But he's, com- he's, he's completely overshadowed by Kingsley Suamati. All NFL eyes are on Kingsley. I, I'm just like, but that could be also a benefit. We saw that in the 2020 class with Zach Wilson getting all those eyeballs. It helped Kyrus Tong. It helped Dax Milne. True. Because they're looking at that offensive line. They're going, who's this freak 6'7 guy that's, that looks pretty athletic? He's got a good build. I wouldn't be surprised if Braden Kime moved on and found a way to stick in the NFL. We need official word from Caden Haas still. Ben Bywater, he is not formally announced. Ben, he's the type of guy that I feel like come back. Uh, you know, Fisher Jackson, Ammon Hanneman to a lesser degree. I, I would feel like they probably move on. They got senior day, but we'll see. Uh, Caleb Christensen and then Ryan Rico's expected to be moving on. East-West Shrine game invite. He seems to be... All indications of point he's moving on. There's one guy that we haven't discussed that made a decision. We'll discuss that next. Who is that player that's returning? Stay tuned. Welcome back in. It's Cougar Sports Saturday, December 16th. We're watching a little NFL. Some college bowl games are on. Before we get to that player that made a decision to return to BYU football, how do you feel about bowl games these days? Uh, we were joking last week about how we both enjoyed this time of year so much growing up. Felt like a big deal. How do you feel about them now? I don't like them as much anymore because you have the intersection of the offseason with the chase for a championship, and I hate that. Back when we were growing up, I point to the late 90s with, with college football, you didn't have an early signing period. You didn't have a transfer portal. You didn't really have the big money stakes in a coaching carousel like you do now where coaches could get eight, $10 million as a head coach. So everyone wants to listen and put their feeler out there before it was like Lavelle's just doing his year by year thing. Like he's not thinking about moving on. You know, there was Bobby Bowden. There was Joe Paterno, Hayden Fry. Like no one's leaving. Like this is college football. They do what they do and they focus on the practices. Now it's all about all these transfer portal moves, all these, recruiting moves and I love that stuff like don't get me wrong but like I have kind of forgot like oh yeah there's bowl games and right now we're seeing Georgia Southern who's got the next BYU offensive line coach and they're getting smoked uh playing Ohio in the Myrtle Beach Bowl and I'm thinking what does this have to do with anything and the thing is too is that there's also a playoff at stake too the bowl system doesn't work in a playoff setting you have to basically make it clear that this is the NIT of college football, and that's what it is. Like, don't try to make it something it's more than it's not. Because back then, when it was just vote based on the AP poll, the coaches poll, and there was a voting system, you could drop in your head, hey, if BYU goes undefeated in this holiday bowl, they could win the national title. Now that mystery and that intrigue is all gone, and it is what it is. So that's hurt the bowl system too. So I I almost feel like in the 12-team playoff era, Matt, like if you just said there's – way less bowl games, there's only like 10 or 15 bowls, I'd be okay with that because I'm getting tired of these games where no one's interested in playing in them because I feel like that's half the case here. 
I think there's a simple fix to bowl games. Everything you said is right. It needs to be reframed. There's the playoff, and there's this lower tier. I think an easy fix to the bowl games, because I still like the idea of, look, not everyone's going to make it, but you can still have a good year. Yeah. I like the reward for the college athlete who put in a lot of time and effort, and they don't get a whole lot. Yeah, there's NIL and free education, but like compared to the money that's being generated, they don't get a whole lot of anything. So I like the idea of, hey, you come down here, we hang out, you get some swag. I think the simple fix is get rid of all the conference tie-ins and just have a draft. Make it a TV show. Yep. Make it a TV show and just say, okay, up first, Las Vegas Bowl, who do you want? And they draft a great matchup. And then you have a a little bit more fun that way because they're like, ooh, who's going to draft BYU? And are they going to get pitted against another good team? Like That would make it more interesting than these automatic slots where it's like tech, and Cal, have fun. No one cares. Like, so I like that idea. Yeah, I, I think that's a great point because, you know, the college bowl system, you know, the postseason reward is nice for these players to get a chance to spend a week somewhere because you think about the road games they go to, it's pretty much just one day. You're in a hotel. You're not doing anything. Nothing. You're just getting ready for a game day. And it's not like basketball where basketball you get the foreign tours. You get these experiences in Croatia or Italy like BYU did. But you don't have as big of a you know a roster, so you can you can do that in basketball, football. You can't do that. So these are like the one chance to kind of do like a unique thing for a week with your team, with your wives. In the case of BYU, and it's it's kind of a cool deal that way. Uh, but from the fan experience, from that aspect, it's just taken a, a lot out. Look, I'm still gonna watch. Like I'm still gonna tune in because I'm a degenerate for college football. <laughs> like I'm still gonna tune in. But I don't. I also feel like there's not as much value in the springboard to next year element. That used to be the thing in in bowl games was like, okay, get this win, and you can really get some juice going into next year as like a preseason top 25 team. I don't think there's any carryover anymore when it comes to that because of the portal. Yeah, you're right. Hey, we got to take a break. If you're waiting to find out about that player, I promise you we're going to talk about him next, and we're going to talk about the offensive line and a potential new coach replacing Daryl Funk. News, traffic, and weather coming your way. We'll talk more BOU football on the other side. It's Cougar Sports Saturday. It's complete. Another touchdown! Cougar Sports Saturday. Saturday. A presentation of KSL Sports. KSL Sports. Left wing for three. He got it again! BYU Sports Talk by Cougar fans for Cougar fans. Here are your hosts, Mitch Harper and Matt Biamonte. On Utah's legacy home of the Cougars. KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back in Cougar Sports Saturday. KSL News Radio, Mitch Harper, Matt Biamonte, every single Saturday. In season, off season, we're here noon to three here on your legacy home of the Cougars, talking BYU sports. And we've teased it a few times. BYU football got a big addition back to its offensive line. Connor Pay going to be returning to anchor BYU's offensive line. It's noteworthy. Starting center for the Cougars. He's going to be uh, coming back for one more year. I don't think it was... What's the word I'm looking for here? I, I pride myself on having a vast uh, array of vocabulary to paint any picture. I don't think it was a coincidence. That's the word I was looking for, Mitch, that the run game got better when he went back to center. I, that's where he should have been all along. I think Connor Pay 
from what we know today, that is the biggest addition to the team in terms of people that could have left and had returned. Tyler Batty was big, but I feel like Connor Pay has the ceiling of being a NFL offensive lineman. And to bring him back is huge, especially when you're working in a new offensive lineman. And it sounds like BYU football has found their man. They did. And, you know, he had had weekly interviews with JJ and Alex on the KSL Sports Zone. And he, after the season concluded and after Daryl Funk got let go, he noted with JJ and Alex that there was not much accountability. And I think that he wanted to see a, as he told those guys back when he was kind of going through this decision process, he wanted to see a coach that was brought in that maybe brought a little more accountability. And at that time, there was a lot of buzz and smoke about maybe Jeff Grimes coming back. And you would have thought, you know, that would have definitely fit uh, for for Connor Pay and, and this group. But I think it's also telling that he's running it back, knowing that BYU has reportedly got their offensive line coach in place, that being Georgia Southern's T.J. Woods. He's currently coaching the offensive line for the Georgia Southern Eagles against Ohio in the Myrtle Beach Bowl at the moment. So I I think that's maybe almost like an endorsement, like, hey, I I can work with this guy. I'm going to be coming back, playing another year of college football, want to improve my draft stock, and also help BYU get back on track and find its placement in the Big 12 Conference. He needs another year at center, too. I I think there's an element of this year did not go according to plan. It was bizarre. We've talked about this at length, so we don't need to go down this rabbit hole again, but it was weird to me all along that he was center in spring, then moved to guard, yeah. back to center. Like T.J. Woods, first item of business is keep this dude at center, please, for next season. That's that's where you build this offensive line with Connor Pay at center. Speaking of T.J. Woods, I don't know if we've had a chance to really break this down. We haven't. What are your thoughts on T.J. Woods being the next O-line coach? He's a, he's a veteran coach. He's had experience here in the state of Utah, most uh, recently at Utah State. What do you think of T.J. Woods? Yeah, it hasn't been officially announced by BYU, but all the reports would indicate that T.J. Woods is going to be BYU's offensive line coach. What the title is exactly, is it run game coordinator? I'd probably imagine so. I think it's an okay hire. I just think it's got a similar makeup to what BYU's been in recent years. You look at the pro football focus grades on Georgia Southern, 81st in run blocking, eh, 22nd in pass blocking. Okay, I mean, that's kind of BYU what they've been the past two years. Look, I'm not going to sit here and say that I know all the intricacies of the offensive line. And I point to a pro football focus grade because it's like a statistical number to measure offensive line competency and performance. Uh, but I think that the the thing that I want to see the most from the offensive line, I want to see them get nasty in the run blocking. I want to see them be able to put push opposing defensive lines on their heels and get the most out of the talent that BYU has. BYU's got talent. This past two years, they had talent. You had Kingsley Suamati at left tackle and right tackle the year prior. And how do you have just a subpar, almost historically bad offensive line where your head coach is saying they straight up whiffed? (laughs) That was against West Virginia. Hey, hold on. Producer Nate, can you start a tally of how many shows in a row Mitch has worked whiffed into the show, please? Kalani doesn't do that without reason. That's when you knew Daryl Funk was out the door when Kalani's saying he they whiffed. <laughs> I, they I whiffed, you, I baby. Didn't, I didn't know you love that word so much. Just, Every week. Because it's they such, whiffed. It's such a strong statement of like, 
They whiffed. Like, yeah. you just no-showed, basically, is right. what the, how I look at that. Yeah. And that's what they did in games. I thought they got better against Oklahoma and Oklahoma State because they got called out by Kalani, and it kind of inspired them a little bit to say, hey, I, w- I want to sh- have some sort of pride for this team. But they still got talent. They're going to be a revamped group, though. I mean, you look at that offensive line. We talked about Braden Kime. Does he run it back one more year? Caleb Etienne's expected to come back. You know what? I hope Caleb has a huge bounce back. I thought he got a little bit better against Oklahoma State. Still, though, there were games when you talk about the whiffing, it kind of coincided with Caleb. And let's just call it what it is. The eye in the sky, the film don't lie. Connor Pay comes back. He's going to be the top guy along with Waylon Lopuaho at, at guard. Waylon is an underrated guy. I thought he was maybe the best offensive lineman consistently this year, and he dealt with some injuries after that Kansas game. You get Jake Icorn back from Weber State. He recently converted to the church uh, as a you know he converted to the the got baptized during the season, which was a pretty cool moment for him. Uh, Peter Falanico, Trevin Osler, Jake Griffin is someone in the program they're very high on as far as an offense tackle, but he's got to add more weight. He even told me back in fall camp he needed to add 60 pounds oh, to boy. his frame, but he's already up to about, he's got about another 20 to go. He's he's working his way to where I bet spring ball he's a, he's a guy that could be a, a factor. Caden Chidester dealt with an injury, a shoulder, elbow sort of deal during uh, the season. Weston Jones from the Midwest, Wisconsin kid. He comes into the program. Ikenaso Tupo, who just recently committed, he'll be a good one down the road. But young, I mean, you got to get some offensive uh, offensive line transfers in here. They missed out on the San Jose State kid who just committed to Arkansas about an hour before we started our show. So they got to add some new personnel. So when TJ Woods officially gets boots on the ground, gets officially hired, they got to get some offensive line added to that room. That's pretty. It's going to be retooled next season. They need a, a guy or two from the portal, though. I, I, yes. there, there's some options there. I like that kid from Virginia who just entered the portal. What is his name? I'm trying to think it out. Is it ringing a bell to you? No. Okay, I'll, I'll look it up while we're chatting. But there's there's talent to work with. The TJ Woods hired to me. I'm willing to see what he can do. He's got some experience. He's worked it, with Kalani, too, at Oregon State. That should be noticed. There's a little familiarity there. I have mixed feelings on that. I mean, it, I totally get it. You want to hire people that you trust and that you know. I I'm, I don't disagree with that. However, I have felt this desire over the past three, four, five years to just go cast a wide net and see who is interested. What up-and-coming guys are there? I, I feel like... There's a missed opportunity from time to time in these coaching hires to go identify some new, young, hot coach and see who it can be. I, I felt like that happened a little bit in the Lavelle era where he was hiring guys that you didn't know, and by the time they came out, they had long coaching careers. Yeah. And they don't all have to be that. I just sometimes wonder, I wasn't involved in the coaching search. I don't know all the people they interviewed. I totally get that. But from prior history, Mitch, it feels like there's a consistent theme here, which is who's someone we've worked with before, whether it be my time at Utah, my time at Utah State. Are they interested? That's where we go first. Or we promote from within. And I like promoting from within, and they may very well do that with the final coaching spot. But I just was interested to know, and and maybe they did, I just would have liked to have seen maybe a few more people interviewed. Is there some up-and-coming guy? Like, honestly, was there another Ryan Pugh? Because that was sort of a surprise back when they brought him in for his only year. Now, there was the connection to Jeff Grimes, 
But that was no real connection outside of Jeff Grimes, some young and up-and-coming guy, and he worked. So I'm not going to say that the T.J. Woods hire is a bad one because it could very well work out. Yeah, I just was hopeful that maybe there was some unknown guy out there that they identified, but that was not the case. BYU is a tricky place because you wonder how many coaches that aren't familiar with BYU or Kalani want to stake their name to a program that has some unique nuances. Like, let's call it what it is. BYU is going to deal heavily with LDS recruits that want to go on missions and 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 have that background. And if, if you don't have that working relationship, it can be kind of a unique place. You got to shave your beard, things like that. I mean, there's just kind of nuances to BYU that has maybe an instant filter. You In a perfect world, though, you'd like what – say Mike Gundy did at Oklahoma State where they were a disaster in 2022 on the defensive side. He casts a wide net and goes to identify as a D- Division II coordinator, Brian Nardo, and then they get back to the Big 12 title game. Like that, that's It's sort of things like that because you can't tell me there's not some hotshot O-line coach at the FCS Division II ranks that would say, I want to be an O-line coach at a Big 12 program like BYU. I, I think, But at the same time, does – Kalani want to get this quick fix now and get it sured up that he knows this can work with this guy who also has a little bit of a background with play calling as an offensive coordinator, which is a nice wrinkle to this offensive staff because you did lose Steve Clark, who did have a little bit of offensive coordinator background as well. So I'm okay with the hire. I think it's fine, and I will see what happens with this offensive line moving forward. It hasn't officially been announced yet by BYU. I got the guy from uh, the, the Wahoos. It's Snoop Leota Amama. Oh yeah, yeah. He was he was a recruit that BYU pursued quite a bit. Yep. Going through the high school ranks, then he committed to Bronco. Yeah. So he's in the portal. He's from his hometowns, Lehigh, Utah. He's got that prior connection. I think that'd be a good get at guard alongside Lapawahu and Pay at center. No question. I mean, yeah, they've had some misses in the portal, and then that junior college player that committed to Purdue. They've had some recent misses. They got to kind of sure up and get some commitments out of that portal moving forward. For BYU. Taking a break, we'll get a conference check in around the Big 12 Conference coming up next here on Cougar Sports Saturday. Welcome back in to Cougar Sports Saturday here on KSL News Radio. Mitch Harper, Matt Biamonte. It's a BYU basketball game day. Cougars going to be taking on the Georgia State Panthers tonight at 7. Whenever I think Georgia State, I think of that coach almost a decade ago falling off the chair rj yes. hunter's dad <laughs> in the in-state tournament ah! that was amazing that was because he when did he get hurt i'm trying to remember how he got hurt but he was coaching from a stool yeah wasn't it in like around shoot around at the nca tournament and he was in a boot and then he's sitting on a stool and then they have some epic game winner which i think they beat baylor i think georgia state did and then they had they were kind of a Cinderella team, but that's what I always think of when I see Georgia State basketball. That's that's probably been a decade now, at least. I, 2015, yeah, when it, his uh, RJ Hunter had a game winner, and his dad <laughs> fell off the chair in the upset. <laughs> his dad's not there anymore, right? I mean, he's he's now at I think Tulane, but yep. uh, but anyway, yeah, BYU Georgia State tonight, seven o'clock, six o'clock pregame. Greg Rebell, Mark Durant can have the call. Here on KSL News Radio and BYU basketball in the upper tier of the Big 12 Conference in their first year. No one thought that was going to happen. We'll get, let's get a conference check in. Conference check in powered by Central Bank. Everything happening in the Big 12 this week. Well, let's start with the uh, top dog, the Kansas Jayhawks. They are hanging on for dear life today against Indiana. They're up to seven seconds to go. 
What do you make of Kansas? Uh, they're certainly deserving of a uh, top two ranking, but I haven't come away feeling like they're just going to blow everyone away. I, I feel like Kansas BYU could get interesting if BYU shoots. It. You, you disagree? If BYU shoots it well, I think they could get them. Not an Allen Fieldhouse. No one gets Kansas in Allen Fieldhouse. Not even UConn. Fair. Uh, but what I will say about Kansas basketball, they got a really good starting five. They have no depth. Yep. And their shooting is inconsistent. And but they got the best player in the league in Hunter Dickinson. And they've got veterans. But some of the transfers they added haven't been as uh, impactful as they maybe expected. But they don't have much depth. I mean that that's the issue for them right now is that they are kind of a thin rotation, whereas you look at a team like Baylor, who right now in basketball is playing Michigan State in Detroit. What's the score on that one? 36-15 Spartans. And see, Baylor is probably the deepest team in the Big 12 Conference, and they've got the bona fide NBA studs in Jacoby Walter, and then they got Yiz Messi, who's a seven-foot freak, who's going to probably be a lottery pick as a true after a true freshman season this year. That's surprising because Michigan State, they're four and five. They've been struggling this year, and Baylor's been rocking everyone this season. Big 12 basketball, though, is going to be interesting. And and I know Mark Pope said it, I think, a couple weeks ago that everyone's got a lottery pick. I tend to disagree with that. It's more, I don't think like there's many bona fide NBA surefire first round picks in this league. I think it's more along the lines of if you got great college basketball teams that are veteran. They get older. They go into the transfer portal. You got big guards like an LJ Cryer at Houston. Houston's one of the best teams in the conference at ten and zero, and he's someone that's been playing outstanding this year. That's the makeup of this league, and they know their identities, and they're just—it's just a tough out. And the metrics love them. Like the advanced metrics love the Big Twelve Conference with the way they play. And you know, I, I think that's that's what helps this conference is that when you play at Kansas, or you even play at Iowa State, who's got some freaky talents on their bench and their rotation, it's not going to hurt you to lose because, well, they're top 20 in Ken Palm or net. So it's it's a fascinating conference. I can't wait for BYU to compete against this night in, night out. It's just going to be awesome. When you look at the win-loss records of the teams in the league, it is, it's something to behold. There are six teams that are ranked. So we've already talked about Kansas and Baylor. Houston's number four. Oklahoma, 11. That's been a surprise this year. BYU at 18. Texas Longhorns at 19. But you go down you go down the list, just record-wise, of unranked teams. Cincinnati, 8-1. and one. TCU, 7-1. and one. Iowa State, 8-2. and two. K-State, 8-2. and two. Texas Tech, 7-2. and two. UCF, 6-3. and three. There's only two teams with losing records right now, Oklahoma State and West Virginia. It's... It's impressive, just the overall depth in this league. It's there's there's a reason why, Mitch, the Big Twelve is the best conference in college basketball, and I think that's an indication of why. Is there's just I don't even expect Oklahoma State and West Virginia to necessarily be bottom feeders. Like those are going to be hard games to win. There's tremendous depth in this league. No nights off in the Big Twelve. And West Virginia, they're going to be adding some talented players with this transfer rule. We'll get to that coming up here a little bit later. That also impacts BYU. But, yeah, this is going to be so much fun. And I think it's also rewarding to think that BYU is going to go through a league schedule coming up starting in January when they tip off against Cincinnati next month on January 6th. And you're not going to be wondering when the postseason rolls around in March, well, how good is BYU really? 
You know, how many years did we go through watching BYU teams and say, yeah, they got 28 wins, but are they going to do anything in March? Like, you're going to be battle-tested. You're going to see everything. You're going to see the NBA-loaded teams with Baylor and, to a lesser degree, Kansas and Houston. You're going to see just the length, the size of teams. Like, there, there were so many years where BYU would be a really good team in the Mountain West under Dave Rose, and then they'd run into a buzzsaw in the first round of the NCAA tournament. You go, well, that Texas A&M team just raked them over the coals with DeAndre Jordan and Josh Carter, and it was like they got the size, the length. Like, that's not going to phase BYU anymore. They're going to get to a tournament setting and go, we've seen this, and then some in the Big 12 every single night. I think that's one of the great rewards for BYU, and I'm, I'm so excited for BYU fans to get to experience this league. Watching Big 12 basketball, I, I'll tell you, like it is just incredible. The level of skill, the level of coaching in this league, it is a great conference. It's going to be so much fun. You talk about in football, the SEC being maybe the, the crown jewel of college football. The Big 12 is the best, and it's only going to get better when Texas and Oklahoma leave with Arizona joining. It's going to be so good, and I'm so excited that BYU gets to be in the best basketball conference going forward because BYU is one of the winning brands in college basketball, top 20 nationally and wins all time. This is a storied program that now gets put on the national stage. All right, we're going to take a break. News, traffic, and weather coming your way on the other side. Let's get into some, some legal jargon, Mitch. The NCAA, the transfer rule lawsuit. What does it mean? How does it affect BYU? We'll discuss that on the other side.